Welcome to the Soul Ability Superhuman Laboratory, where we uncover the secrets to upgrading your mind, body, soul, and business. Welcome to another episode of the Soul Ability Podcast. I'm your host, Dr. Mike DeMarco, and on today's episode, we have a very special guest, Mike good friend, UFC fighter, Corey Anderson. Corey's ranked number seven in the world right now. He has another fight coming up in November, right? Yep. And uh, I've just gotten to know Corey over the past few years, and he's one of the most genuine, nicest guys that I've ever met. And I just really wanted to get him on the show so he could share his story and some of the things that he's learned along the way uh, with you guys. So maybe you can learn from that. And uh, let's just get into it. So thank you, Corey, for coming onto the show. I really appreciate you doing this. I know you're busy. Thanks for having me on the show. I'm glad I can make it out. Yeah, man. So let's just first talk about how you got to where you're at right now. You were, let's give everybody a little backstory on where you started. You started in wrestling in college to ending up now ranked number seven in the UFC in your weight class, which is pretty amazing. And like how many years? Like, well, I was ranked in the top 10 within the first year. So I've been only fighting three and a half years, <laughs> been UFC three of those. So yeah, it's been, I won't say a hard road, but mm-hmm. it's been a long road, even though it's such a short time, but I'm always in the gym. Like how did I, how did I get where I am? It's just pretty much all hard work. You know, mm-hmm. they say it all the time since kind of cliche, you can do whatever you want. As long as you work hard, you work hard, you earn it. And, you know, that's all I did. Coming out of college, I went straight from the national final stage to an MMA gym the next day and just never stopped. And just constantly in the gym every day, at least two workouts a day, never missing a workout. Even when I'm sick, you find a way to get something done. And, you know, it just pays off dividends. And now here I am at the top, with the top. Yeah. And it's just time to just keep fine-tuning and getting better. Yeah, I mean, did is that something... Is fighting something you always wanted to do or you just did wrestling as like a hobby or because I know you're come from like a pretty athletic family, like your brother yeah. played football and stuff like that. Yeah, fighting um, was never a goal of mine. It was never a dream. It was never anything yeah. I wanted to do from uh, all through college. People had, I had teammates that fought. They like, bro, uh-huh. you're so good at wrestling and you box a little bit. Like as a workout, I did boxing as rehab at one point. Like you should do fighting too. It's like, nah, it's not my thing. <laughs> And just Ben Askren, who was the Bellator champ at the time, was my wrestling coach in college. And after the national finals, he sent me a text. I was like, yo, meet me at this gym. Was at first, was wrestling for the Olympics. Was wrestling to go for Olympic trials. You know, like a few days into it, he just sent me another address. And it was an MMA gym. And next thing you know, I was never wrestled again. Never put on a singlet. I just kept on fighting. So you just didn't, like, even try to go to the Olympic trials? You just went straight into... Didn't even go to the Olympic trials. And all the training, (laughs) all that time, qualified for the trials and everything. Just never went. Never even called, never registered for another tournament in my life. So then from there, I was training. And uh, my old college wrestling coach gave me a call and invited me out to Southern Illinois to coach with him at Lincoln College. And that's when I ran into uh, Mark Fiore, who was Matt Hughes. Matt Hughes is like a nine-time UFC champ. Right. His old coach. And they all went to Lincoln as well. And they invited me down to their gym to start training with those guys. And uh yeah, I went down there and just never, after that it was just success. I got my first fight. Yeah. Out in that way. <clears throat> out there in Springfield. And I'll never forget the guy saying it was a fifteen second knockout. I remember saying, Keep an eye on this guy, beating twenty five eight, he's gonna be a real dude, he's gonna be a problem, you know. And uh, a couple months later I got my second fight. And it's, the commentary said the same thing, like, wow, like three-minute knockout, this kid's going to be a real dish. Your second fight, you did this. And then uh, third fight, ended up getting a title fight out in um, Oklahoma against some guy who just got cut from Bellator, and the rest was history from there. Yeah. Just kind of goes to the awesome fight. Well, I had one more fight a week later, but one of those fights didn't count on my record. I can't remember which one, but it made like an exhibition because uh, the guy, he – didn't have enough fights to fight somebody of my caliber. They didn't want to get in trouble or something. 
But I went to Indiana, knocked another guy <laughs> out in three minutes. Him. Yeah, pretty much killed that guy. But yeah, I remember his coach was saying how they was going to sue because they never told the, the commissioner, so never told him that I had so many wrestling matches and I had such an extensive wrestling background and blah, blah, blah. I mean, it really doesn't matter in a fight yeah. game, but people are going to find a way to make an excuse for anything. Yeah, it doesn't matter because you're still good, yeah, whether you have the fights or not. <laughs> but... um. Then we went down to Indiana and I knocked another guy out and it was from there. Went to the Ultimate Fighter. And uh, I'll never forget. That's where I met Frank Yeager and those guys. How yeah. I ended up in Jersey from yeah. Illinois. And even on the show, it was like nobody expected me to be as good as I was because I was so young. I had just started fighting that March. At that time, it was October or September or something. And, you know, everybody was looking past me. And the guy I fought was actually a college. He didn't wrestle on my team. But he wrestled at the same school. He had came back and worked out with me a few times. And I had a feeling that it was going to make me fight him because the experience and the background. And everybody counted him to just beat me because he had been fighting for like seven years. Right. And I had just started. And again, I beat him. And from there, it was just, I'll never forget the producer came up and told me, like, I put you on the show. It was kind of like a joke. I did not expect you to win. But now that you're here, you only got three more fights and you can win this whole thing because that was a guy I picked to win the whole show. And then from there, it was just history. You yeah. know, the fact that they doubted me and, they didn't actually underdog. believe I could do it exactly. It's like an underdog, so I loved it. And from there, just grinding day in and day out on the show. Got out and kept doing the same thing, won the show, and just kept on going. Nothing changed. Yeah, isn't that interesting, though? Because, like, even now, like, right now, so, like, Conor McGregor is, like, getting all these fights because he has the biggest mouth, pretty much. Mm-hmm. That's what I think. I think that's why he's getting these fights. Um, 100%. And people underestimate the guys that just like kind of keep themselves and like are in the shadows, just like working hard and doing their thing that have like a lot of talent that people don't even know about when that, that person could just show up. And if they give them that, give they, if they give that person the chance to fight or whatever, they're going to knock that person out and they won't even know it was coming. Like it's pretty interesting. I mean, not like Frank Yeager. He's a huge yeah. example. He doesn't talk. He doesn't talk trash like Connor does. So he gets looked over on a lot of these big fights he should have. But then, mm-hmm. like when he went in there against Yair Rodriguez, a lot of people, some people are like, oh, Frank is so much of a veteran, Yair <laughs> doesn't have a chance. But other people are like, oh, Yair is too fancy, oh, blah, blah, blah. He's going to kill Frankie. And Frankie went out there and just destroyed him. Yeah. It wasn't even close because it's just because we don't talk, we let our hard work, we like to go under the radar. You know, they keep looking over us, but when we come out there, we're going to shine. And you're going to remember us. You're going to remember the name then. Then they start asking questions. But then again, Frankie is just sit back and he won't say anything. So it goes to a point where you hear people stop talking about Frankie Yeager or me or Frankie Perez. Our team is so small and nobody yeah. talks trash. But when we step up to the plate, we show up and we show up. And that's the whole point. Yeah, I don't get that why people think they have to talk trash in order to get fights. I guess it's like kind of a side effect of society like they reward that behavior mm-hmm. by giving them fights or like giving them publicity or giving them more money for a fight just because people are going to watch it yep but at the end of the day it's like kind of discrediting and like filter like making the sport not as good as it could be i think i mean what i think of it, i think if what people ask me why i don't like conor mcgregor like you said cause he talks a lot of trash and if you go back to the beginning of sports as a kid, they always teach you sportsmanship. Mm-hmm. Shake a pro opponent's hands. You know, after every game, you line up, you shake hands. Good game, good game. You don't talk trash. Right. You talk. Good if game. you talk trash, your coach usually bench you. You get in trouble. Get pulled out the game. You know, it's always taught, instilled in you all the way into college. You go all the way up to college, and the same thing. Senior in college, we still line up. We're grown men, 22, 23 years old. We line up, we shake hands, and we still say, "Good match, good match." To groom, it's like a sportsmanship thing. And then you get to the pro level, and some of a lot of ath- guys that was college athletes that know that, but they trying to play the game. They want to mm-hmm. get paid. So they're trying to talk trash, you know, and I will never – I see myself as never stooping to that level. Do you think he was always like that or, like, he became that way because he wasn't getting, like, the attention and the fights that he wanted to get? I just don't – I don't even think yeah. – either I know he wasn't like that. I don't think he was ever just like that. But I think he just – Came to the game and just took a page out of Floyd Mayweather mm-hmm. and, you know, Mike Tyson, you know, the press conference talking trash. You know, that's the stuff that people love. He wanted to come there. And he wanted to make a name for himself. Right. You know, when you come in with losses already into the UFC, he came in with two losses already. Right. You know, they was doubting that he was going to do the things he do. So he had to talk himself up. And it's kind of like, you know, you get a person that's like a, a, a liar 
a person that lies a lot, eventually when they say it so much, they start to believe they sell. Right. They and it's similar to the same thing. He just went in there, he talked to trash. He talked to trash just to get the part. And he got to the part where he just started believing his own hype. And now look, he's successful with it. And you can't be mad at him. He did the right thing. And a lot of us fighters, we hate when people compare us. Like, oh, it should be more like Conor McGregor. You hate that. But at the same time, if you want to make the millions and you want to make the big bucks like he does, everybody calling out for money fights now. But if you want the money fights, you you mm-hmm. literally have to become a Conor McGregor, right? And, and that's just the way it is. Yeah, but I think, like you said, like there is some le- there are some lessons to learn in that whole thing. Even if you don't want to be like him, like he was able to shift his mindset into a different way of thinking completely, like and change his belief into believing that he was like the champ. Well, maybe he didn't believe he was the champ when he lost two times going to the UFC. Mm-hmm. Like, is there anything that? like you've done to shift your mindset or do you always kind of think like how you think currently or do anything to like hype yourself or to kind of prep you for like your walk down to the ring or um there's like a whole kind of like i'm sure it's insane in your head prior i've always had the mindset just thinking like i said i work so hard and nope i know there's nobody that can outwork Mm-hmm. Like, you know, you ask people, how's, how's Corey in the gym? And tell you, he's a workhorse. You never find anybody that works hard at him. And the, the reason is, is because I was literally sitting in practice. As I'm practicing, I'm watching around. I see the people. And I'm waiting to see who's going to be the first. Who's the first person on the mat? I always want to be the first person on the mat. And if somebody beat me to the mat side, I'm going to try to work. I got to work twice as hard as him now to equal the amount of time he's been on the mat. And then I always want to be the last one off the mat. And, you know, and that's the mindset I took into every match in college. And mm-hmm. fighting the same thing. I know I was the first one in the gym, last one out. And if he's like supposed to be the best guy in the world and his team, I know I can beat this guy I got to match up with because he's nothing like that. And I worked harder than him. I know when I first got here, I'll never forget my brother came out with me. The first practice, Frankie was there. We got to the gym. Frankie was jumping rope. My brother threw me my jump rope. Mm-hmm. But that means like, you better got to start jumping. Frankie's <laughs> the best out here. Start jumping. And when practice was over, I started to walk off the mat. He looked at me like, where you going? I just want to grab a drink of water. He's like, Frank can't grab a drink yet. Keep going. Like, you have to. Hour. If you want to be the best, we know Frank is the best. You got to do everything he does and more. You stay on there at least five minutes after he's gone. And that's just, that's always been the mentality. It's definitely in training. Like, I'm, the team say I go a little too hard. You do too much. Right. You're training too much. You're overtraining. You're overtraining. But my mind is more of a mental thing. When I step into that fight, I know that this guy didn't do nearly as much as I did to get here. And you know, and now my mindset is changing. To the point where I've been watching these fights, I see the guys getting praise in my division. The guys is coming into the division and making noise so fast. And it's like I've been here this long now. I worked hard on these guys. I developed this new mindset where I'm just saying I used to be very. I'm not gonna be cocky. And I'm always gonna be sport, a good sport. Right. But to the point where I'm just saying f the whole two or five division. Uh-huh. You know what I mean? I can say that if I give too much respect to guys, and I think that's a problem. I go in there. I don't destroy guys like I know I can. Because I have too much respect for my opponents, but now I'm new. My eyes just go out there like somebody they disrespected my. In my mind, I'm thinking like these guys disrespecting me, my family, and everything I mm-hmm. work for. So I gotta go out here and just go for the blood. Go out here with a mindset to not so much kill somebody, but destroy yeah. them. You know, yeah. make them next time they see me, if they ever walk past me again, they don't want to make eye contact because <laughs> that ass whooping I gave them was so bad. You know, and that's just. I mean, that's the mentality I had in wrestling, though. Because I just, that was my thing. I would watch the guys wrestle in a tournament. I was always like number one seed or number two, so I wouldn't wrestle to the second round. And I watched, like, you let this guy have a close match with this guy, and that guy's ass. So I'll be sitting there just staring. When they turn <laughs> off the mat, they say, I'm just staring. I just shake my head. And the next match, I would, like, push him off the mat, slam him into the bleachers. Stuff I wouldn't shouldn't be doing. Like, we'd be way out of bounds. The ref would blow the whistle, and I'd still pick him up and slam him in the bleachers. Just so I know he knew you cannot mess with me. Like, I'm about to hurt you, bro. Like, it's <laughs> it's going to be bad. And literally, second round, they would break every time. They would look at me. They looked down at the mat, look at their coach. They did not want to be there anymore. And it was just a mentality I had. Like, tell the coach, like, yeah. oh, you got to be, you got to be home, but you got to stop. Like, man, fuck him. So I used to get in trouble all the time. I run sprints for saying that so much. But it was just a mindset I had yeah. as an athlete. That reminds me of like, kind of like Arnold Schwarzenegger when he would play tricks on the guys before like, show. you ever see Pumping Iron? Yes. When he like, um, you know, he would like play mind tricks on people before, uh, like he was like messing with uh, Lou Ferrigno's head, like telling him he's not going to win and like having breakfast with him and his family, like kind of like, kind of infiltrating his mindset. Yeah. And then um, like Kenny Waller like stole 
my cat's is like t-shirt and like his clothes are missing before the show he's like messing with his head like playing like mind games like that to like show like you're dominant mm-hmm. i think that it's really you're like actually like a pretty powerful um thing to do like when you're a competition yeah i mean it's just kind of like with the conor mcgregor and Aldo fight conor was he took all those built probably like five times during their whole little war the little tour thing they did they did a tour around the world and McGregor kept taking all those belts. But I'm like, this is my belt now. Like, this ain't your belt. I'm the champ. This is my belt. Then he did the same thing for Eddie. I don't think he got into Eddie's head because Eddie is kind of like a, a trash talker as well. Mm-hmm. And you can't really bother Eddie. Eddie yeah. Alvarez has got to, we train with him. He got a mentality. It's like, you say what you want, but it's kind of like he's looking through you. He doesn't get all riled up like most people do. But in that fight, he just outfought for Eddie. With the mm-hmm. auto fight, you can tell he got in all those head. When the bell rang, all those sprinted across the cage, trying to hurt him, which is not his style. He's a, he sits back, and you know, Conor did exactly what he's supposed to do. He did everything he could to get in all those head. It threw him off his game. And he knew if he ran for it, and I land this one shot, it's a wrap. That's right. exactly what happened. He ran for it and literally got hit with one shot, and the fight was over. <laughs> you know. That's all it takes, I guess. Sometimes. Yeah, I think Connor knew if he sat there and if Aldo fought his game, picking shots from the outside, he's so fast, he's so quick, he wouldn't have been able to get him. Yeah. But he knew if I can get in his head long enough on this tour and make him step into my trap, it's over. How many hours a day do you train? It's like a full time job, probably six to eight. You know, I'm really? trying to tone yeah, I'm trying to tone back a little bit so far out on the fight so I don't drain myself. Yeah. But it's kind of hard. Yeah, can we talk so about that? Like time. how important recovery is. Like, yeah, you know. So like, if you're training that much, and obviously there's probably breaks in between, like training and stuff like that. Like, what are you doing for like recovery? Naps and eating a lot. Naps and eating. <laughs> <laughs> eat before training, eat after training, drink protein shakes, and take a nap. Yeah, how that's much, recovery. How much you weigh right now? You like gained a bunch of weight. Yeah, I'm like 235 right now. Yeah, I was trying to get you up to 60, but yeah, we're not going there. <laughs> <laughs> just want you to get bigger as big as possible. When I hit 240, <laughs> it was like I was slowing down. It felt horrible. But uh, yeah, other than that, recovery is just different things. You got to go to physical therapist to get my body taken care of. I do um, ice baths and cryotherapy. Um, getting adjusted, normal tech boots. Yeah, things like that. You know, I do certain things like, like that two, three times a week. To keep the blood flowing and the bones and muscles all clicking in on in the right spot. So, <laughs> yeah. Do you uh do you do any like meditation or anything like that, or you just like basically just fight, like jujitsu or wrestling is like kind of that yeah. That's my meditation. You know, that's at ease with my mind. Wrestling and jujitsu. When you strike in boxing and sparring, it's kind of hard to be at peace when somebody finna punch you in the face. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but when you on the mat, you kind of just rolling. You know, we start sitting, sitting on the mat, and you're rolling and grappling. That's more of a peaceful right. place. You know, you think it's more like playing chess. Uh-huh. It's more chess game. You say you're strategic, you're moving slow. You're always thinking about the dangers of what can happen here, what can happen if I do this. So you got to think three, three moves ahead before you even attempt one move. So... You know, that's kind of what I do in my meditation. You see some guys before practice, they sit on the side, they meditate. Or we got really? some guys, yeah. We got a couple of guys that's Russian, it's the Muslims, and they do their little prayers in the locker room, uh-huh. you know. Everybody have their own little different thing. But for me, as you go out, get a warm-up, and then as I'm rolling, I'm just, my mind's kind of like in, a, in another place, not so much stressed out about much. And jujitsu practice is like, you get if you get caught, you get subbed, you tap. So it's not like much danger there, but mm-hmm. in sparring, if you do something wrong, you get hit in the wrong spot, you get knocked out. You know, you can get your eye broke or your orbital broke or something crazy. So it's kind of hard to be at peace. You're always on your toes and your heart rate is run pumping. You got your adrenaline, but you just was just so calm. Right. A lot of laughter. It's more <laughs> of a choking people out or laughing. Yeah. You know, you get it. <laughs> I'm bad, bro. You laugh. I'm like, it's good. You shake hands. You do it again. Yeah. So. That's, I mean, I, I think a lot of people don't realize that they do some kind of form of like meditation. Everyone thinks that you have to like clear your mind completely. And that's like, I think it's impossible. Yeah. It's just whatever your focus is on and your focus is on like, just, you know, rolling with somebody and there's something like really kind of like primal to that. Like I think humans are supposed to do things like that, like move and um, move in a certain way and kind of even just compete physically against each other. 
And that's yeah. why, yeah, that's why it's so. Since the beginning of time, wrestling was the world oldest sport. Back in the day, only had gladiators, all that stuff. It was men competing against each other to prove something. Whether who's the, the better man or it was fighting for their wife or mm-hmm. fighting for their country, whatever it is, you, you had to prove it. It's a manly thing. And that's why I love it, you know. There's no politics and no it is politics, but when you step in the cage and you fight somebody, right. you know at the end who's the right. better man. Even right. the one fight that I had, everybody said it was a controversial loss against Shogun. Yeah, I lost <laughs> on paper, but if you ask anybody in the world right now, they still say you won that right. fight. You beat the crap out of that guy. <laughs> then he knows that. You know, the guy and their team, they know that. You know when you go out there and you lose a fight, you go back to the center, you shaking your head already like we didn't win. And then the draft give it to you. It's not like a, okay, it's good for your record. And it's good for your career. But as a person, you don't actually believe you won. So. Right. So you care more about the actually like what happened in the fight than letting the decisions of like the judges or somebody else by points saying like, all right, well, you lost. Yeah, personally, more yes. Effective. But in the career, you yeah. have to. I mean, it's important. It's, it's, like, yeah, a balance, it's like a balancing act, right? Yes. In my career, you have to have the judge's approval or the ref raise your hand to mm-hmm. move forward to right. have a, a long career or a successful career. But um, as for a person mindset-wise, like, I know I won that Shogun fight, so that doesn't bother me as much. Yeah. It just bothers me the fact, like, if you look, Shogun now is ranked, like, third in the world or third or fourth, something like that, and I'm now down at eight or seven, wherever it is. But if they would have gave me that fight, I would have been a third and I could have been even closer to a title fight. You know, it's just the way the game works. Yeah. I think that's kind of like, it's very similar to how like entrepreneurs and people who are like successful in business approach things too, because especially if you're like kind of spiritual and you, you really know like who you are, like yourself, Mm -hmm. because you have to make these like wins in real life. Like you have to make money and you have to beat your competition. And you have to sell so many products and whatever. There's like these metric points that you have to hit. But if you don't hit them because maybe the market was bad or something that was out of your control that you couldn't control, but you knew like you did the best and like your thing was actually the best. Um, like some people get stuck in like my product is the best but they don't balance it with like the metric points of like reality that you have to go with. So like mm-hmm. it has to actually be something that people want, even though it's like something that could change the world or people have to actually know about it or you actually have to make it profitable. Like there's all these other factors that to be successful in like business or it's the same thing as like a fight. Like you can't let it get into your mindset, but you have to know that it's important. Yeah. Yeah. Like you said, you can have the best product in the world, but if you ain't, in key with society or what people need or want at that point in time, it doesn't matter because the world will never know what you have. Nobody will buy it because it's not marketing right. to the right spot. So, um, yeah, I mean, th- it's like been a crazy journey and I've known you for like two years now. About two years like now, yeah. Well, let's see, it was September September 1st, what was it, 2015 when we first met, right before I went to fight right. Jan Blackwood. And you, that was kind of like I was starting out a little bit too. It was like my first year-ish in business here, and uh, you know, it took a while. It took a little while for you to kind of, I think, trust me. Yeah, <laughs> but <laughs> but once you build that trust, it things kind of changed. Um, and you were you're from Illinois originally. Yep. Like what do you? And you've been living in Jersey for three years. Yep. Like what? What do you like about? That's got to be like a big change like a big difference yeah it's a huge change i mean you got places like new york and uh new york and chicago they're similar then you got like um newark new Mm -hmm. jersey and uh, (laughs) newark in rockville illinois which is very Mm -hmm. similar we've got the similar places but where i'm from rocks illinois is just a very small place like they they uh dedicated a street sign to me last week in the really? sign yeah and you can also see like the population of the town on right above the sign it says there's seven thousand five hundred and like 68 people there now and when i was in high school it was like 1400 so you know really? when i grew up there it was a very small town but um when i saw that i was in brick at the time so i googled and everybody say brick is like one of the smaller cities in new jersey and i googled mm-hmm. to see how many people were there 
and it was 42,516 people in Brick, which is a small city for New Jersey. So you compare where I'm from, 7,000. Right. I told people that, and it was kind of like, what in the world? <laughs> like, that's, that's, like, seven, like, that's one little block in New Jersey because it's so polluted. So many uh -huh. people on it's top of people. It's very concentrated. Exactly. So for me, it was definitely different. When I came out here at first and everything was like so fast paced, everything was moving. People, cars, you know, the little jug handles, all right. these confusing things. But I like the most about it is everybody here is on the hustle. You know, it's not right. many people They're here like that work that for people. No. no, no. Everybody in where I'm from, they, they either have their own business, that's because it was a family business, or they're a farmer. So mm -hmm. that's their business. They're a truck driver. But most people my age... Or in my generation, they're content working at nine to five, working at a McDonald's, or right. they all, when I go back, most of my friends still live with their parents, or if they out on their own, they got like six kids and they got a wife, or <laughs> but they ain't got no money. They don't have any goals. They're just living day to day, mm -hmm. you know, going to the nine to five, make the money, you know, get a little bit of chance to go golf and do a week. That's a great week to them. Right. But like here, it's like, Everybody I know, they do their own mm -hmm. thing. They got their own. My best friend, Frank Perez, got his own DJ company, clothing line, MMA promotion. Well, I think it's the people you you know. sur you're surrounding yourself with. No, but when I go yeah. out and meet people, they're all the same like way. That. Everywhere I go and meet people, I guess it's here. It's like I say, you build your circle. Yeah. Build a circle around people that's on the same mission as you. But it's just like here, you can tell. People can tell when you about something. You mm -hmm. know, those are people that tend to flock to you here. When back home, it's just like a like, bunch of mixed breeds. You got like one person in the group that'd be successful. So say uh -huh. like if I go back with my friends, I'm successful. And you got another friend that's still is 29, live with his parents. Then you got another friend that's 30 or 29 and got like seven kids. And on his second wife part, it's just <laughs> like nobody, but nobody yeah. has a set circle of goals. Like here, every single person I hang out with, they always talking about goals, you know. Yeah. I want to this for this month. I want to travel to Australia, and then the next week I want to go to Brazil. But I got so much going on with my my wedding season. I'm busy. And the other friend, like, oh, I got a bunch of photos to do. Or you send a text on the weekend, like, Yo, I'm off today. Anybody want to kick it? And everybody responds. Or a group takes like 15 people, and you get 14 messages back with everybody saying they can't because they got some <laughs> gig or they're busy. You know, that's a good feeling you have. Like when I right. see that, like, yeah, it's okay. They don't want to, we can't hang out. They, uh -huh. You don't get time with your boys. But at the same time, you're happy for your boys because everybody mm -hmm. is about money right now. Everybody is out. They got that hustle mindset. They're going to do whatever they got to do to make it, you know? Yeah. Um, I'm guilty of it. It's not a bad thing to be guilty of, but like when people, I'll hear people talking about work, like, oh, I need somebody that can do this job for such and such. I just pay them like 150 bucks and I always volunteer to do it. Like, I do it. Like, bro, you're a professional fighter. You, like, yeah, I don't care. Below you. Yeah, just, that's, I'll do anything yeah. to make money. I'm about making paper. <laughs> Bills got to be paid. It don't matter who I am, you know? If I, if I can get along with training and do that, I'll do it. You know, and people know that about me now. And times they'll call me and do it. And sometimes they won't call me just because they're looking out for my career. Like, bro, you can't do everything. Like, you can't mm -hmm. teach. I like that nigga tones. I tell them all the time. All such and such cover. Like, I can teach. Like, cool. You got to train. You got to fight. Like, I'll figure right. time. But at the same time, they're looking out for me like you have to worry about your career first. You know, yes, you're going to make the money in the long run, but you can't continue to just keep wanting to do everything. Yeah. But that's just my mindset. I got that hustle mentality. And that's why I love the friends and the people here because everybody has that. What do your parents do? My parents own a roofing company. They own a roofing company? Did you started work in it? Started from the body. Yeah, I started my, my whole life from third grade to I graduated college. I worked it. And I got to call to a wrestling coach and I went and tried that. And I liked that way better. You know, mm -hmm. and it was, I mean, not the fact my dad always say, you lazy, you lazy because I don't <laughs> want to be on the roof. But it ain't the fact I'm not afraid to yeah. do the work. You know, I go home and help him out today. If I mm -hmm. go home, he need help. I put boots and stuff going to jobs. Like everybody, like, yo, ain't you Corey Anderson the fighter? Blah, blah, blah. <laughs> you his son, what you doing out here? Like, he needed my help. Yeah. Like, well, I'm saying no, you know, I'm going to come help my father. But multiple times I'll be visiting, driving through Indiana. My dad would call me like, yo, I, just, I heard you're in Indiana. Uh, one of my guys had to go home. His wife was sick, blah, blah, blah. Can you come out to the job site and help me? And, you know, and I just stop in Indiana and stay at the hotel for like three days and help him on the job site. And, you know, people are like, yo, aren't you? They come when truck drivers delivering stuff. And I'm out there unloading the crane. Uh -huh. Like, aren't you going? Like, yeah, like, what are you doing here? Like, help my father. This is coming. <laughs> Putting a roof on. You know, you got to do what you got to do. Like you said, I'm not but too good for anything. And, uh, and that's just a mentality you got to have. Mm -hmm. And I feel it's more out here than where I'm from. Because every here, a lot of people yeah, get There's things. a lot of people like that here. They don't want to, they think things are below them. Yes. That's what I was just going to get into. I mean, you got a lot of people here, their parents give them a lot of things too. Sure. 
Like I know most of the people here. There's an entitlement a lot of yeah. places. Most of the people here still live with their parents if they're my age. It's like, I think it's because it's expensive to live here. Yeah. And like our whole system set up, like you go to college and you're, you come out with this like massive debt and they don't actually prepare you to like have a job or a job that pays you well enough to like live on your own. So you're like, there's a constant struggle and no one ever teaches you to like figure out what you want to do with your life. Whereas like, you kind of figured it out like through fighting and stuff yeah. where there's a lot of people that don't, they're like, I don't know what to do and I don't know how to make money. And they, they look at models of other people and they try to like copy that model exactly. And it doesn't work out because it's not them instead of like following their own path because they figured out what they're good at or yeah. someone pushed them that way rather than they just latched onto it. You know what I mean? Yeah. I mean, I guess one another thing that's different because when I first got here and I saw that every time I go to a friend's house, I think it was their house, and I was saying, parents come up, like, yo, what? New? Oh, yeah, it's my parents' house. I'm like, <laughs> what? And I was always confused because where I was at, the goal was when you turn 18 mm -hmm. to get your own place. You go to school, you come out, you get out of school, you get your own place. You don't go back in with mom and dad. Another thing was if you wanted a female, like, you try to take a female back to your parents, they wasn't going. Like, no, this is your parents' house, and they just get up and leave. And here, I never forget the first party I went to with a bunch of friends. It was a house party at someone's parents' house, and the parents lived there. Was when we walked in the house, their parents were in the living room. The parents went downstairs, locked the door, and never came. And like females coming up, yeah, That's but females weird. come on, like hang out the whole night. It's like three o'clock in the morning. My parents weren't like that. So. Yeah, and it was like the girls. You know, like, my mom. Was yeah. like that. <laughs> But the females did not care the fact that they was at their parents because they all, that's what I'm saying here is like all of them do the same thing. And they either, they either on their own hustle or you got the group of parents that give their kids everything mm -hmm. until it's too late, you know? And you see that. You can see where that's going. You hear oh, yeah. the girls getting plastic surgery all the time, but they working at McDonald's or something. Like, you <laughs> know, damn well, you don't have the money for that. Mom and dad pay for it. They driving BMWs and Mercedes. All the kids here in high school driving mm -hmm fancy cars and you know you didn't earn that your parents yeah. gave it to you they're driving cars that we had to earn exactly that we had to work our way up to and like I said, it's all it's good and bad you got those that's hustling like all, i put this way all my friends that hustle didn't go to college let's put it that way mm -hmm. all the ones that's out here grinding making the ends meet none of them went to college they got their high school degree some of them didn't even graduate high school they dropped out they started doing their own thing and the ones that their parents are pushing them into college and paying for everything while they're in college and they get out and they expect their parents to keep paying it's like you said they don't teach you how to prepare yourself right so when they get out the parents feel kind of like they supposed to well, take they also care of them still. like that the way the parents are teaching them and it's like supporting them giving them everything and then school the way the school teaches you mm -hmm. is to like constantly look to somebody else to like take care of you or give you something like the the power to do anything is like all right my parent my parents will take care of me or my my teachers will give me the the guidance like they never learn how to just listen to themselves whereas like your friends that just after high school or whatever kind of started doing their own thing yeah. like you have to be able to do that you have to figure that out but the same kids also that their parents are getting there still in the house where we're going to give you things they got to give you this most of them that go on and start a successful business or if they take over their family's business, it's like uh, their parents gave like a million dollar loan or something like that, you know? <laughs> something crazy. It's like you really didn't earn it, but they was at home long enough to was able to save up their own money. Their parents gave them a huge loan to start it. So at that point, when they started the business off, it's going to be hard for them to fall in debt, mm -hmm. you know? So eventually, but eventually it will get to a struggle. You'll see right. all the time. When Things got rough. The uh, books weren't adding up, and you gotta start liquidating stuff to figure out how to get your money. And you realize you nothing's gonna be given to you anymore. Now you gotta figure it out on your own. And that's usually when those companies crumble. Right. You see companies go up and they come down just as fast, just because they didn't know how to value their money. They don't value a dollar. Right. Or they started a company. They think because I own a company, I can travel the world all the time. And they're not there running it. They leaving their employees. The employees don't give a damn. Mm -hmm. You know, they getting their paycheck. Like I see that every day when I go back and, well, not every day, but when <laughs> I go back and visit my dad's company, you got those guys. You can see those guys is there literally just for the check. Right. You know, the guys don't care how the company run. Then you got the group of guys that care that's been there with you since the beginning, so they know the value in it. Mm -hmm. So they're going to value their time. They value your time and make sure the job is done right. But then you got the guys that get sent over from the union. They just go job to job. 
getting right. paid. There's no they loyalty. Gonna, exactly. They don't care if the job ain't half finished. They can leave a whole hole in the roof uncovered, <laughs> and it's about to rain. Thunderstorm coming. They clocked in. They got their eight hours. They clocking out. They won't do a second more than eight hours. They watch. You see them checking their watch all day long. As soon as that eight hours strike, you see them going down the ladder. Like, what are you doing? We still got to finish the roof. Right. I did my eight hours, and you know, that's the same thing. You got the kids like that. That's they grow up into P. You want to say adults, but they never trigger yeah, out their adult mentality because they don't even know how to balance a checkbook. They don't know how to pay a bill. You know, when I had my first place at 19, I moved out at 17. At 19, I got my first place. And it's, I never, you know, I, I didn't have to write any checks or none yet because I was in college. Mm-hmm. You know, I was dependent till I was 18. I was living in dorms. When I got my first right. place and uh, I had a girlfriend who had her own place, she had a kid. She showed me all that, you know, it was things I didn't know. Mm-hmm. But I developed as a young man. I had to figure it out on my own. But you got guys here that's right. 27 that still, still ain't never had to do that. Still ain't never paid in a bill, never paid insurance. But they don't know how the car insurance work because it's just all on mommy and daddy's, you know? That's crazy. It's just, that's today's generation. And it's it's sad. And people look at me and they always say, you different. And I mm-hmm. like that because I don't want to be known like this millennial so they keep calling right. us the millennials. I don't want to be one of those. I don't get that either because I, I don't, don't want to hand out at all. At all. Like, I'm nothing like that. I don't. Since I was 17, I left home at 17. I never called home to my parents for anything. Even when I was in college, I couldn't get loans or anything because I was mm-hmm. 17 years old in college. And then my father made so much money and oh, okay. I couldn't get financial aid or nothing. <laughs> but I never once called home and said, Mommy, Dad, I need this. Dad, can you do It was, I'm going to figure it out. That's good mentality. And yeah, that's how I've got. Sometimes you have to ask for help. I mean, that's like what your coaches are for now. Exactly. Like that. But. As a coach or a teacher, what do I do? How do I do this? I never wanted to think. I never wanted my parents to feel like I need them to make it. I'm like, mm-hmm. Not like anything against them, but it was just a thing for me. When I left home at 17 to go to school, like that mm-hmm. was my time to become an adult. You know, 17 yeah. years, I watched my dad hustle and bustle. Nobody gave him anything. He was a baby of 10 kids, and they was de- broke, broke nothing. Like 10 people in a two-bedroom house with not a dime in their name. He went out and did it on his own, so I want to do the same thing. Yeah, so you learn from him. <laughs> exactly. Like I tell him all the time, he called me about taking over his company. Like, that's your legacy, you know? <laughs> you did your thing to get your money. I want to mm-hmm. do my own. Like, I don't want to. I guess it's more of a fact. I don't want anybody to say your dad handed you that, and that's right. why you got millions of dollars. I'm going to earn mine, and yeah. that's just how I wanted it to be. That's awesome. Yeah, a lot of people don't. They'll just take the hand out and just, like, kind of settle. But then they're never happy. They're never fulfilled because they know deep down inside they didn't they didn't earn it, or it's not their dream. It's really not their dream. Like, they're living someone else's dream just for, like, money, like a paycheck, when money is just really, like, a measurement tool to show you like where you're at you know i mean like i said it's a lot of people it's like that we know one personally i'm gonna say the names but we know one that is given everything that focuses on one thing some people only focus on one thing they don't like okay you got a person i want to just focus on fighting they don't want to focus on the other responsibilities of life Uh you know paying bills and everything is given to them Mm -hmm. and then they go out and they win or whatever it is they do what they do and they just continue to take and take and take <laughs> and take and take and they never give back or they never because they never had to earn it. Right. You right. know, you never got to the point where you had to where you do this and I do this for you. Or you my that's the way it was my father. Like I never had good grades and we always worked for allowances. But when it got to the point up until I was twelve years old, if I wanted some, my dad be like, all right, you get straight A's this semester or whatever this quarter, and I'll buy you that thing. Then when I turned twelve and all that of things, it was like, if you want it. You old enough to go out there in the shop. You know how to drive to trucks. To- you know, go do something, and I'll write you a little check. I'll pay you earning. And it got to a point where I realized there's no handouts. Like when right. I was 12 years old, I never forget. I asked my father for a PS2 because everybody in school had one, but me, I never had one. And I never. He went off on me. I was like, "Boy, you want to spend my money on a video game? Because <laughs> I'll never buy you anything again in your life. Remember this: I'll never buy you another toy or anything else because you just asked for that." And that's just been it since I was 12 years old. I oh never forget the moment. That's 12 years hard. old, my dad says, you want something, you're going to go outside, you're going to work. We had 7.2 acres of grass that could be cut. We had horses that could be fed, groomed, dogs to be bred. You horses? That. We had horses, dogs, <laughs> goats, everything. Chickens, the eggs, we did it all. So my dad says, you got many things around here you can do to earn your money. Don't ever ask me for a dime if nothing ain't done. 
And that's just always been the mindset. I've never went and asked anybody for something for free and expect them to give it to me. And that's mm-hmm. it. You know, when people try to give me something, I'm like, no, thank you. I'll figure it out. Yeah. You know, or I will go do something or let me pay you back. I think sometimes you have to like let them because you're like letting them feel good about giving you something too. No, I don't want that. Yeah. <laughs> that's just not me. It's like, because some people will just like feel good giving, you know. Mm, it's it just like it's a lot of gyms I train at and people are like, oh, you had to pay a math fee? But like, no, but I also come in and teach class for right. them. You call, but like, you want me to teach a class or I come in and clean the mat, but you got guys that come into the gym, they train and Nick or whoever it is, whoever the Philly is, but oh yeah, you can come in today, whatever. And they won't charge them, but mm-hmm. they'll cleave the mats and mess and just leave. And I'm like, bro, and I stop my door like, you ain't gonna do nothing? All right. And right. next time they come back, they're like, oh, it's a match fee. And they get mad. Like, well, no, somebody didn't have to pay. And they don't understand why. Like, yeah. you just took, took, took. And you didn't understand what they really wanted was something back. So that's just your uh-huh. fault. Well, it's like you can take it, but like appre- like actually appreciating, like actively appreciating it is a whole nother level. Yeah. Like people that do that, they don't really appreciate it. They just expect it. Like their expectation is like the same thing. And the entitlement, like they're they're entitled to it. Like they, someone they owes them something. And that's Mm -hmm. like the mentality of like the millennial kind of avatar that people are creating that they say that people of this, like our age range and maybe a little bit younger that they're just entitled. And that's like their mindset because of their parents gave them everything or whatever. But, and I hate labeling people because I'm not like that. You're not like that. And we know a lot of people that aren't like that. I just don't know where it came from because there's people that are older, like baby boomer age, like those kind of things. I feel like I have the same kind of mindset. So why? I don't know. They like kind of segment the people into these generations that kind of don't really exist when it's just like human nature to be that way. If people are giving you something, then you expect it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So. Yeah, I mean. That was like a lot, lot. That was a lot. That was a lot of truth bombs dropping the world real fast. Oh yeah. Um, so you have this fight coming up in November. Mm-hmm. Like, what are you thinking about it? Go out there and dominate. Yeah. That's it. Simple. Don't think too much on it. That's a problem. Some people get in there thinking too much. I got to do this. I got to do that. All I'm saying is go out there and dominate. And if I go out there and do what I do every day in the gym, I can dominate in every aspect of every fight there is I have. And that's just the point now. I just got that simple mindset. F the mm-hmm. whole 205 division. Go out there, make a point, make a statement, walk out, get ready for the next one. Right. Oh, yeah. Also, you and Jenny are engaged, right? Yes. Like, when are you guys getting married? I think January. We're just going to go to cross yeah. something simple. Yeah. But we when just, did you When did you meet her? I don't even know. I met her when I know first her. fight. Actually, the day I walked into the gym. That day I walked, walked into the, the gym. She was the welcome lady at the gym I went into. And that's why I met her. She was the one behind the desk scanning people in. And so that was like, what, three and a half, four years ago now. I met her in Milwaukee, Wisconsin, where she's from. And um, what was it, like last uh-huh. well, last January, we actually started like dating. It was like the day before New Year's. We went on our first that's real it? official date. I thought it was way longer. Well, we, like I said, I've known her. Okay. But we've never, we trained together. Like, I would go to the gym, and she would be in the gym there. we train together. We'd have small talk. What, that, the July before we went on our first date was our first time, like, really hanging out. Like, we did a podcast. She had a podcast, and um, yeah. helped her with that. And then we started getting coffee, and we would go get dinner. But like I said, I've known her for the four uh-huh. years, but I've never actually was on, like, a relationship level, like, interest. Like, I always All thought right. she was attractive, but there was never the interest of where we are now mm-hmm. until, like, Two and a half years ago. Okay. Yeah. I mean, things but, like kind of fall in place the way they're supposed to. I think. But yeah, like I said, that's one thing we said. We never pushed anything. It, never, it got to the point where we realized nobody ever even asked each other, anybody out. And she yeah. was out here living in Jersey and we had a place together. Yeah. She just moved just, out here. Yeah. It just, it was click. Everything was clicking so well because we came from the same background. We knew so much about each other from the gym life. Uh-huh. She was at my very first fight and she was at my very first really? UFC fight. Just so happened, not there for me, but for other people that happened to be on the car. Some of our good friends, uh-huh. we fought on the same car and she happened to be there. So she's been there for the whole journey pretty much. Yeah. So it's kind of crazy how that works out. Yeah, you guys are good together, I think. Yeah, we actually was, when I fought my first UFC fight, she didn't realize it until after we was dating for like a year. She had a picture in her phone 
she was sitting right behind me on the plane. Like we were talking on the plane. Her and her best friend on the plane back from me winning the Ultimate Fighter. Oh my god! It's like just so happened. Just the whole time we've always been right there in front of each other, but it's never been to the point where we're in a relationship now. And I think that's why it worked so yeah. well. It was never pushed. It was never forced. It was never tried, or even anybody ever tried to hook us up before. Just one day. Uh-huh. Went for coffee and we hit it off and just kept on kicking it. And yeah. Now we're here. That's like so many people now are like trying to force like a relationship yeah. with someone. They're like on Tinder and like whatever, swiping. I don't even know what it is. <laughs> and uh, like online and they're just like going on constant, constant dates. And they're like looking for this like one person that's going to like complete them and fit all their their things instead of just finding someone that's like they just get along with. You know, they have to have this like perfect person in their head that they created that doesn't even exist instead of real maybe that person's been there like literally like sitting behind them on the plane the whole time the whole time like been there the whole time. everything in the phone everything but you never even like she even said when we got together like i, used to, I remember watching your first fight like oh my god that's Corey. like he's good my first ufc fight like wow Corey got even better and it was like we had small talk and text messages it's like oh congratulations oh thank you she'll be fighting congratulations on your fight whatever blah 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 and like I said I tell people now they're like oh I'm looking for this like that's your problem you're looking right. don't even look because I told you I was in the player stage when I came across the like I was I was having fun doing my thing just kicking it going mm-hmm. on dates whatever and we started hanging out like slowly. I just started cutting every female. But you weren't like looking for something. So exactly. That's when you find it. But when I found it, I just like slowly just started weeding them out, started mm-hmm. dissing myself from other females and to the point where she was the only one there. And yeah. that was it. It's kind of like you weren't really looking for like to be a UFC fighter. No. And it just found you. It just found Like me. the same. You just let it happen. It just took off fast. Right. Know? Yeah. And so. that, that's something to be said like you have to just once you're just like let things happen like the life kind of just push, yeah the universe kind of just pushes things and in, in your direction and you just accept them and then mm-hmm. they like the path that you're supposed to be on is like the path that you end up being on you know so like what is your ultimate like vision goal for where you are like not just ufc like beyond you know like, do you have that or do you yeah. just kind of i got a in i got an exit plan in goal business plans i got all kinds of plans but it all <laughs> comes down to just being happy with life i ain't worried about being a millionaire i ain't worried about making a lot of money i just want to be happy right you know as long as i'm paying bills so like what? Well, yeah what would make you happy be a coach be a coach that was my dream job when i was coaching college wrestling if i could continue to do that and fight i would definitely stuck with it but it was hard to balance the two Mm-hmm. Between being with those kids on the road all the time, being a financial counselor and what, not for, uh, academic counselor and all that, helping these uh-huh. guys with their career and worry about mine, I couldn't balance the two. So, but the plan is to go back when I retire, coach and open my own gym and live happy till it's over. Okay. Yeah, I think a lot of people are going to want you as a coach. Yeah. At that point. Yeah. It's still now, but obviously you can't do everything like you. You want to do everything, but you can't. I wish I could, but I can't. You have to segment just like how your friends are telling you. People tell you like you can't do everything like you really can't. You have to like kind of focus on the one things that are going to get you to that ultimate goal. So then you can help everybody help the people you really want to help. Can we go? I think his name is Robert from Shark Tank. Robert or Richard, whatever. A white guy on Shark Tank. I don't know. Can't remember. I don't really watch it. Well, one of them. (laughs) He um, came to a speaking engagement to us at the UFC retreat. And after we sat down, I talked to him and I asked him, like, you know, I got all these business plans and I want to open a car wash, and blah, blah, blah. Car and wash. Him, well, that's just other stuff I want to do just because it's, it's quick cash. Oh, yeah. We're going to quick, talk you know, you can't tax <laughs> that. But um, <laughs> and he told him, like, can you focus on that 100 percent and fight 100 percent? And he knew it was like a no answer. Right. You can't do both. Yeah. Like, well, that's your answer. Wait till you're done fighting and do anything else. And that was it. When he said that, and he's been that successful. He said, there's no way you can do two things 100% at the same time. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, you can't. Unless you have it. like a team of people doing it for that you. That you like, trust, but. It's it's really hard to. And that's, I've learned that from a lot of like really successful people too, is that you have to have this like mission and this vision and all the things that don't fit your mission, just like don't do them. Just cut them off. Yeah. You know, until you get there. Um, until you get to where you want to be because you'll just end up doing things half-ass or it'll distract you from completing completing the goal 
you know so uh yeah man i just want to thank you for being on the show today yeah thank you for having me i like mm-hmm. venting like this you know i don't like the question and answer stuff i just like flowing on the mic yeah you know that's the best ones you know just like well i'm not a reporter anyway and i'm trying to get better at asking questions that's one of the reasons why i'm doing the podcast yeah so and just like talking to people you know and i think you're you definitely have a lot to share especially with how kind of where you came from and how far you've gotten and you definitely have a different like mindset and like mannerisms and like way about you than a lot of other fighters that i know you know yeah i don't have that i guess you could say fighter mentality they right. all say it most people because they some people grow up they're gonna be a fighter and they try to be billy badass their whole life uh-huh. i just i've always been a good kid nice guy respectable yeah. yes sir no sir yes ma'am no ma'am helpful kind and it just so happened i was good at fighting right it's never i had the mentality to be a fighter i was always good at it it's like not defining you it's like a thing you do exactly so where yeah man so yeah thank you thank you and uh just where can people find you i want to make sure they they stay connected with Corey anderson you can follow me on instagram at Corey a underscore mma that's c-o-r-e-y the letter a underscore mma um you can also follow me on twitter at the same same name and you got the fan page on facebook at Corey overtime anderson or you can just find me on facebook at Corey anderson and follow me because i think i'm at my friend limit with like a thousand people in my friend request yeah so but um i like to stay i stay active posting things so everybody know what's going on Mm -hmm. i don't tend to give back to every comment or every post but i do respond back to fan page messages um, if you send fan mail out, you send a re- uh, return envelope, I usually get it back to you. So, um, yeah, I'm doing these live feeds, a lot of different live things, motivational yeah. Mondays and just talking to people myself now. So if you follow me there, you can definitely get some insight on what's going on with me and what's next to come. Right. Yeah. Because you're definitely more a little more, I think, deeper than just like showing your fights, you know, like yes. your training. Fighting, like I said, fighting is just something I'm good at. Like my mom says, she thinks the fight is going to be a great platform for my future life for motivational speaking mm-hmm. or whatever it is I do. They can go back and see like it wasn't always like that, but that was mm-hmm. how I got to where I am. That's a great. Gave me my voice. Way to think say. about it. All right, man. Well, thank you. Thank you. Thank you guys for listening to today's episode. I really appreciate all the support and all the kind words that I'm getting about these podcasts. It really fires me up to want to do more and to help you guys out as much as I possibly can. So if you please, if you haven't already, can if you can leave a review in iTunes, I would really, really appreciate it. And until next time, I'll see you guys in the next episode.